Hello, my name is Mark Taylor. Welcome to the Education on Fire podcast network. This show is sponsored by the National Association for Primary Education. Hello and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place where we share creative and inspiring learning in our schools. Season 5 episode 73. Hello and welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast with me Mark Taylor. Um, today I'm joined by Ben Landers and he's from the thepespecialist.com and someone I know from a, an online community and uh, when I was putting together this PE season I just thought this would be a, a perfect uh, insight into, into what a membership site is all like and, and actually having someone from from America rather than just the UK and, and how they put their PE and phys ed stuff together. So Ben thanks very much for joining me today. Thanks for having me glad to be here. So can we start with a little bit of your background? How did you get into phys ed and, and, and that be part of your life? And then how did you then get into the online space of creating a membership site and supporting people online? Um, yeah, sure. So I went to uh, school originally as a business major. Um, I've just always been interested in business and I thought that would be a good fit. But then kind of once I got into the classes, I felt like it was a little bit uh, just common knowledge. So I switched my major a few times and... Um, basically ended up on physical education just kind of as an afterthought uh, just because I was always into sports I like being active I always liked kids um, but honestly never thought of myself as a teacher but there wasn't when I was looking at the options um, at the school that I was at there wasn't a whole lot of other things that piqued my interest and so I figured I would give it a shot uh, once I got into it and really got into the schools and started teaching I just fell in love with it uh, and stuck with it ever since I started my website uh, in 2014 uh, just as a way to kind of share ideas. And I really didn't know in my earlier years teaching the, uh, the online community of PE teachers that was out there. Uh, and so once I had started to get connected on social media and um, realized that there was a lot of really passionate teachers that were sharing awesome ideas, I kind of just wanted to jump in and be a part of it. And then, you know, we were talking about Flip Lifestyle, which is the connection that we have. Um, I, I heard them on a podcast and heard about it's a history teacher and a librarian that had done something similar and started a website sharing ideas and selling resources and helping supporting other teachers. And I just figured, hey, give it a shot and, and see what happens. And so here we are. Yeah, that's fantastic. And and you, you said about the social media aspect and that and that sort of big online community in in social media. What what do you find are the the social media outlets that really work for education? Um, I think honestly, any any social media could work for PE specifically. Twitter seems like the one that everybody is on, and that's what I originally got on. Um, I, I was at a conference and I heard a keynote speech, and it was from a PE teacher I really respect. His name's Joey Fife. Um, He's at the physicaleducator.com. He's a guy out of Canada. And he was talking about Twitter and how much of a difference it had made in his life. And I had always just seen Twitter as, uh, I don't know, I, I didn't really think much about it. I was like, what's the big deal? You know, whatever, 140 characters. <laughs> yeah. Nobody cares about what you're eating for dinner, <laughs> you know. Um, and then I, I started looking into like the different hashtags, like the phys ed, hashtag phys ed and um, hashtag PE geeks is another one. And then I started getting connected with people and I realized what it really comes down to is the way I try to explain it to people that aren't on social media is if you could 
if you could have a window into every other e-teacher's gym across the world and see what they're doing, you know, you should take advantage of that. And that's really what it, what Twitter turned into is just all these people across the world were sharing ideas and um, just so inspirational. It's such a great way to get feedback and to connect with people, especially as a PE teacher. You, a lot of times you're one of the only specialists in your school, so you don't really have that community to brainstorm and to get ideas from. So social media is a great way to support that. And and really understanding the the hashtag idea that that really is a bit of a game changer. I remember from from all of, the, of my education sideboard generally from that it was that kind of as soon as you find the hashtag where you suddenly get all this information specifically about what you're interested in in that particular moment rather than just a continual news feed of like you say it can be just random stuff depending on who you're following that just suddenly gives you laser focus and like you say so many people share so much great content that way and it and it really is just a way of having access to a whole world of knowledge that you wouldn't normally have yeah, exactly. Um, a big thing too is if you're if you're trying to get on social media for professional development, just create a, an account separate from your personal account. That's only like I have a PE account, and the only people I follow are PE teachers. So the only thing in my feed is, you know, physical education content, and that makes it a lot easier to to find what you're looking for. Yeah, for sure. The membership site, like you said, you, you started it because you, you came across Shane and Jocelyn and, and, and the fact that they, from being in school, actually then created their businesses online and were able to share it with many, many more people. But what specifically are your aims with uh, the PEspecialist.com? Is it just to share information or is it was it just a way of connecting or building a, com- a community? What was your sort of main idea for it? Uh, my main thing is I wanted to create a resource that I wish I had had when I was uh, starting out teaching. And that's just, I want to, like... There's a lot of tons of content on the internet, um, but when I look around on the internet, I very rarely find very, very detailed lesson plans that are ready to go and that uh, were kind of structured and created in a way that I thought was really motivating to kids and that was fun for kids and that was focused on specific outcomes. Um, and you might find like one here or there, but what I really want to do is create an entire uh, full curriculum year of support for teachers that they could sign up for that I have forums where they can ask questions that they need to any like visuals posters with cues for specific skills any station signs and things like that ready to print um, just to save time because as a teacher there's so many things uh, that I wanted to do and I just didn't have time for them so having the membership site is a way to support teachers in a way that I wish I had been supported it's kind of the resource that I had always looked for but never found um and also it's just a, a fun way for me to share things i'm learning and uh connect with other teachers and you know hearing the feedback from people has been really really inspiring motivating so i'm gonna hopefully keep it going that's great and, and it really is about time isn't it for teachers who are obviously time poor and also just knowing that not only if you've got a whole load of content there but when it's some um, curated and it's organized in a way that people can really understand it it just takes the pressure away and I guess that then just builds up that relationships because then as you add more things or you like you say the forums start to guide other people you're just surrounded by a bunch of like-minded people who can then also give other advice as well yeah it's really cool seeing the community kind of form and build and Honestly, some of the ideas I've shared, other people have remixed them and shared them back. And then I've used their ideas because they made my ideas better. Um, and uh, another cool thing about the membership is since it's a business, I'm actually able to do all the things that I wish I could have done when I was teaching. Like I wanted to have all these illustrations of different skills and correct form for throwing and catching and all these 
other basic fundamentals. And like as a teacher, you're not going to go spend, you know, $150 to hire an illustrator to design something for you. But because I'm running this business, I can now go find graphic designers and illustrators and take pictures of myself doing these skills and have them draw them out and then send these posters out to the membership. Um, so I'm kind of creating all these things that I wanted to create, but I really couldn't justify it when I was just a teacher, you know? So the membership is actually helping me become a better teacher as well and have all these awesome resources that I always really thought would be cool, but I couldn't really justify spending the time and the money to create them. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. And so in, in terms of your your sort of week or, or, your, or your term um, these days, is it um, mostly membership site work? Is it mostly teaching? Is it a, a real mix of the two? How, how does it sort of pan out for you? I like my daily schedule? Yeah. Uh, so during the summer, obviously, I'm off. I'm a full-time teacher, so nine months out of the year, I'm teaching you know, at least 40 hours a week. And then the way I've worked out our schedule, I have two young kids at home um, and I don't want to just leave my wife hanging all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there's always an endless amount of work to do. So I've kind of set the boundaries of about 15 hours a week is like what I try to shoot for during the school year. And then during the summer, uh, it's about 25 to 30. So I front load things and try to schedule out things in the summer for the upcoming school year. Um, so during the school year, like when we, when we go back to school, I'll be teaching from about seven to three and then two days a week. As soon as I get off school, I'll go straight to the public library and just work uh, for about five hours until they close. And then the other days, there's about an hour of work just responding and managing people that are working on the site or responding to, you know, visitors or my membership and creating resources. Uh, And then, you know, every now and then I'll be out of town for a conference or something like that, or I'll have to pull a late night on a Saturday or, you know, it just depends on how many fires there are and, and where the attention needs to go. <laughs> yeah, but for sure. hopefully, you know, 10 hours a week would be like, wow, everything's going really well. I can't believe this. 20 hours a week is like, all right, I need to tone things down and, and get things organized. So my sweet spot is in that 15 hour a week range during the school year. Yeah, it sounds sounds really good. And like I say, with with children at home and and you know, t- time is precious, isn't it? So actually having that sweet spot of knowing exactly where your sort of professional life is, even when it's something you're really passionate about, and your home life, and being able to switch between the two is a, a really key thing. And I think everyone as teachers could really a- appreciate that because it's very easy just to get into the I've got to do this, I've got to do more. There's always someone else asking another question, and actually being able to put all those into separate boxes and, and make it fit the best you can is is a real key lesson for everybody yeah you gotta set those boundaries it's important i'm actually hoping to hire some uh support help as this year to kind of help me uh have a little more time to create stuff because that's what i really love to do and what i've ended up doing is more management um, which is not as much my sweet spot so i'm hoping to find somebody to help me with that yeah great well good, good luck with that um, so, in, in terms of actually phys ed in, in school and that kind of thing, how, what do you think are the sort of the good parts of it these days, or, or what are the things that you would actually change in terms of supporting the youngsters in schools just to have a sort of a healthy life and, and also, I guess, a real good understanding of what PE and what that can bring to you? Yeah, I think uh, overall with phys ed in schools, it kind of depends on where you are. I think there's a lot of really, really quality, good programs, and there's some programs that are uh, really bad where a teacher's just going to throw a ball out to the kids and let them play the same game every day. Um, and my perspective of 
of what we should be trying to teach kids is we're trying to teach them to have the confidence that they need, the skills that they need, and the knowledge that they need to pursue whatever kind of activity or sport or adventures they want in the future. Especially at the elementary level, we're trying to give them an overall picture where we can help them build those basic skills and build that confidence and have the basic knowledge to be active and pursue sports. Um, and I think at the elementary level, you have a lot more teachers that are kind of hitting that goal of, we call it physical literacy. Um, and then as you get up towards the secondary level, at least in the States, from what I've seen, you have a lot more schools that are hiring coaches over teachers. And then those coaches are just taking the PE jobs because since they're a coach, that's what they're, you know, perceived to be good at. And they don't really care about teaching or know much about teaching. And so you have a lower quality of program. Um, not to say that there's not some amazing secondary programs out there cause there are, uh, but from what I've seen, it's a lot harder to, to get that quality program going at the secondary level. Cause you have a lot more coaches and less people that are just passionate about instruction. I think one other thing is there's such a, there's such a huge differentiation in the amount of resources that different schools have. I mean, we have some schools around us that have a big gym, they have tons of equipment, they might see their kids three times a week. And then we have other schools that might not have a gym, they have to teach in a classroom or a hallway, and they might have three basketballs and they might only see their kids, you know, 45 minutes once a week. And so trying to compare those two things is almost impossible because they're just not equal, you know? So I think if there was some way to, and this is across education, you know, we have huge inequalities at, at every school. Um, there's some way to provide everybody with the same class sizes, the same facilities, the same equipment and support. Um, then I think you would see a lot more quality programs. And I, and that's what I really like about what you're doing with your membership site and, and people that are involved in this sort of new way of learning and sharing information. It's that, you know, in an ideal world, we'd hope that, you know, someone above us would just say, look, you know, here's all the time you need. Here's all the resources you need. And let's make sure that it, we're giving our children the best we can. But often it is left to the teachers individually about, you know, what am I going to do and how am I going to do it? And I think, like you said, having the forum, having things within the membership which just enable you to find like well this is where I am now I've only got this amount of time or I've only got these kind of resources available but how can I make it the best I possibly can and it's just sort of I guess lighting the fire and supporting those people who are just really interested in making the most of the situation they've got and then I guess you can start putting in plans to improve all those things as you start to gain more experience and hopefully get more support from your school yeah for sure so in terms of how your sort of lesson plans, like you said, you sort of almost created a whole curriculum and that sort of thing. How does that sort of run um, and, and how does that look like? Is it literally from when you start school going through all years um, or does it go across different sports? And exactly what is involved within this, those sites with those lesson plans? Um, so the way I usually create lesson plans is by each unit. So like the unit of instruction, basically when you log into my membership for all the my members, each uh, resource is based on the subject that's being taught. So if they're looking for basketball or ball handling, there'll be like a four week unit plan that has examples of exactly what I'm doing for that four weeks. And there's also additional activities. Um, and so that way they can plug that four weeks in wherever they want in their year, wherever it makes sense for them. And then they can take all the different unit plans and, uh, kind of use them like blocks of time and try to figure out where to fit them throughout the year. So that's kind of the way that I organize it. That sounds great. And um, 
and do you think there's a big difference probably between the US um, and the UK and also for those listening around the world or, or do you think sort of um, PE sort of has that universal um, language almost of it, of it being a physical thing and actually each of these units and each of these skills actually is very transferable? Um, I would hope that it would be universal, but, uh, you know, I, I was talking to um, Ryan Sporting. He's, he runs a podcast called The PE Umbrella. He's in the UK. Yeah. And he was telling me that over in the UK, it's a lot more common for them not to have a specialized PE teacher, but instead a classroom teacher is in charge of PE. That's right. I don't know if that's the case, but if that is the case, then it seems very unlikely that you would have this universal um, philosophy because a lot of the teachers that are teaching PE are not really specialized in it. Yeah, that that is often the case, and it is just a question of building up all of those, uh, all of those skills and all of those things. And yeah, I've chatted to Ryan; he's actually going to be on the uh, on this series of the podcast, which is fantastic. Oh, nice. So, and I, I just love the fact that there's you know this sort of community is like I say is as large and as wide as it is around the world, but it can also be quite small for those people who are just so keen to share all all the great experience and stuff that they have, which is which is brilliant. Um, so for those of us um, teaching in, in the UK specifically, you know, what are some sort of good habits or structures for a lesson which um, anybody, no matter what their specialist or specialism, can actually do to really make a great P lesson for their children? Yeah, for me, uh, I kind of divide my uh, philosophy of good quality program into three categories. The first one is management. And so for me, management's huge. I have a lot of content on my website trying to help teachers um, – figure out how to put the responsibility back on their students and kind of have that social responsibility where the kids take charge uh, and ownership of their own learning. So, you know, that's having routines and systems and clear expectations and consequences. And um, as much as possible, I think we need to give our kids responsibility for managing themselves. And it it does sound to me that it's some that sort of idea of um, classroom management and children taking responsibility is great for learning generally as well as just for PE. So so what are some sort of good habits and, and a good structure for a PE lesson that can really support children? Yeah. Uh, so when I think about quality programs, I think about first you have management and then you have instruction and then assessment. It's uh, kind of the last thing that you worry about. Although those three things are really all three important management uh, instruction and assessment. The first thing I think you should be focused on is having a good management routine. Uh, cause if your kids are not listening to your instruction, it doesn't matter if your instruction is really good. Uh, and I feel like management and behavior and those kind of things is what really throws a lot of people off, especially when they're starting out. And so a lot of my content is, is focused on trying to help teachers find ways to develop clear expectations, to have good systems and routines in their classroom. So when their kids walk in, they know what to expect and uh, also to help kids take responsibility for their own learning and really take ownership of their the part that they play in you know the ed- educational program that you're trying to roll out to them um, a lot of one of the quotes that I always bring back and talk to my kids about is that quote that says uh, I can give you the keys to success but you have to open the door yourself <laughs> yeah and uh, it's like guys I'm all I'm like bring them in I'm like guys it doesn't matter if you have a professional athlete come in here and show you the right way to do it if you're not willing to take responsibility and listen to what they're saying and actually put it into action then nothing's going to happen um, so we talk about that a lot uh, a lot of the routines and systems and things i have try to put that responsibility back on the kids um, management wise and in terms of time i mean i'm just sort of thinking here for my sort of um, musical experience um 
especially in terms of that management. I mean, certainly um, when I'm in a classroom, when everyone's got an instrument each, it can get very loud and very rowdy quite quickly. Um, <laughs> And, and, you know, some of those good habits in terms of management are really, really key. Um, but how do you find it in terms of um, a length of time? Because I think some teachers get slightly nervous and slightly concerned because they don't have that management off the bat. But I certainly find, you know, it's just being consistent sometimes and just over a period of weeks and then over years as you start to have the same children maybe sort of over over an amount of time, that these sort of great habits which then actually appear within the school generally can be really really good but it's just allowing that time for all these things to actually embed into what the children expect yes definitely change takes time that's uh i'm actually writing a blog post right now that's this titled change takes time because what you just said talking about vertical alignment like when you're when you're teaching for the very first year and you're developing that first relationship it's going to take time but then as like for me, I've been teaching the same kids at my school the entire time they've been at the school. So uh, I've been at the same school for, I'm going into my 12th year. And so for me, like when my older students come in, I can just ask them what the rules are and they can tell me because we've had that relationship for five years and they know my expectations. Um, whereas when you're coming in for the first time, it takes time to build in that character and relationship. Uh, with your students for sure and, and I think that's where like you said about the forums and, and Twitter and those sorts of resources are really good isn't it because it just kind of gives you a little bit of confidence that it's not just me <laughs> if I need a bit yes. of support <laughs> I know someone else say I've been through that but you could try this or I did it like this or it took me I don't know six months to get for me to be you know and you're thinking it should just take a couple of weeks and and I, I think just that understanding that everybody's in the same position and um and the, like I say time that sounds like a great blog post I can't make <laughs> I can't wait to read it it just <laughs> really supportive for everyone um so as well as obviously your membership and you talked about twitter are there any other sort of places or any other resources that um, would be a good place for the people listening to go and look at um honestly i feel like if you can't find anything on social media um then just googling what you're looking for and and with google the cool thing is the best resources usually rise to the top so there's so many with the internet now there's just so many solutions to almost every issue uh, you can kind of find the ones that you resonate with and and uh really dive deep with them but social media for me is is probably the easiest free resource and then as you get connected on social media you'll find uh the the people that you resonate with and most of the time the people that are putting out a lot of content will also have paid resources that you can check out and uh, dive a little bit deeper so that'd be my recommendation yeah sounds good and i think it really is that kind of you know just just go with the flow you know like you say you'll resonate with somebody and and then you sort of start to follow their lead and, and investigate a little bit more about what they're producing and you, you find the people that you want to connect with in and and the sorts of resources they have available which i think is uh, is absolutely key um in terms of um resources and but also more specifically funding related to those resources we talked a little bit before about the fact that you know some some schools will have a massive gym or more than one gym and loads of resources and, and other schools will obviously have less resources um if you had any sort of experience in terms of how if you want more resources or you want to up the facilities that you have any funding places that you can do, go to specifically or anything within the school that you've managed to sort of convince someone to maybe divert a bit of funding towards the PE as opposed to going to somewhere else. Right. Yeah. I think a big part of that is just advocacy. You know, if, if you're and social media for me plays a big part of that because I'm, I can easily go to the, go to my parents and say, Hey, check out my Twitter feed and look at the quality of the program that I'm offering your students and then I can say, can 
can we put the fundraiser funds towards getting a rock wall in the gym this year? Um, and if you're, if you have a very clear, um, way to show what you're doing and the quality of the program that you're trying to give to the students, uh, I think that goes a long way in getting support from your administration, getting support from your parents. Um, for me, a, a lot of the things I've gotten have been through submitting proposals to my administration and explaining why that was going to have a positive impact on students and why, you know, a positive PE program also promotes a positive academic program uh, in the school as well. And so if they want to up test scores, then we need to make sure we're providing quality PE to our students. Um, there's tons of data and research uh, to back that up. Um, there's also always a ton of grants that are available, um, and that's just going to depend on where you are and what you qualify for. But I've gotten plenty of grants. One good one in the States, I don't know if they do it in the UK, is Donors Choose. Do you know? Um, I haven't come across that. No, I'll look into that. Okay, Donors Choose is basically you you put a uh, you submit an application for something that you want, and then random people will donate money to it. And then when it gets funded, you take pictures of the students and the students write thank you notes back to the people that donated it. So it's a cool way to to you know have a little personal touch um, for donors as they're donating money because they get to see it actually uh, having an impact with the students. And then um, also you can go to businesses. For me specifically, you know we've gotten free golf clubs from the golf local golf uh, club organizations, free tennis stuff. So, or even, you know, going to a bank and saying, Hey guys, would you sponsor us getting this equipment? And we'll put a little plaque on the wall, things like that. You know, there's, there's plenty of businesses that have a huge marketing budget and they would love to have some good press and some good social media, um, from donating something to a school. So I think if teachers are willing to put in the, the effort, there's plenty of ways that they can get what they need. I really like that, and I think it is that it's it's you as the as the teacher actually deciding what it is that you'd like or how you'd like to improve your facilities, and actually finding your way about how you go about that. And it's all those ideas are fantastic, and it just really just means that you're you're in the driving seat. Really, you can feel like you're pushing your department on. You can get more things, and like you said, now with social media, um, and the, the communication with parents is really important. It's not like your kid goes to school and then you pick them up at the end of school and then you have parents' evening like once a year or something to find out what's been going on. It is really just like a, a daily or, or weekly communication, like say through Twitter or social media. I know certainly my kids' schools have got weekly blogs about what's going on and stuff that they're trying to fundraise for and, and also explaining things that have already been funded and, and how they've been about that. And I think I think that more open dialogue and, and a real sort of insight into what the school going on as you say then everyone gets on the same page and everyone starts supporting in a in a in, in a in a more cohesive way really yeah for sure i love how schools are jumping on the social media bandwagon because it's just such a no-brainer because they're if you're if you're having good things going on at the school you need to be blasting that out to parents it's only going to have it's only going to be good for your school for your community for your neighborhood um so i I think schools that have started to adopt that are doing the right thing for sure. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be a really key area is uh, is schools like I say want want to, want to make a big impact and and also keep that dialogue going with everybody. It's brilliant, fantastic. Well, Ben, thanks so much for chatting to me. Can you just um, give us all your contact details of of the membership site and, and how they can get in contact with you on social media as well, so people who want to find out more and actually check out some of your resources and the best way of getting in contact with them. Sure thing. Uh, thanks for having me. It's been a blast talking to you, Mark. Uh, you can contact me by jumping on my website at thepespecialist.com. Um, and then all of my social media there, 
uh, you'll be able to see links, but it's at the PE specialist for pretty much any social media that you like to use Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, and I have a free ebook at the PE specialist.com slash free. If you're looking for some fun games or activities to try out, uh, there's some of my favorite ones, uh, for that resource. So feel free to hit me up and, uh, appreciate you having me, man. Oh, thanks so much. And, and that's great. And, and that's with so many of the guests that come on this podcast. Just make use of the people. They're usually so willing just to, to make contact and, and, and get some feedback from either from what you've heard and, and actually um, sharing those resources, which is the reason we're all in this, just so that as a teacher you get the opportunity to to make the most of, of what's available out there. So, Ben, thanks very much. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for your time, and we'll speak to you all later. Thanks for having me. A big thank you to Ben for being such a great guest on today's show and I hope you enjoyed the little bird accompaniment in the background. Ben very kindly got up early um, and did his recording from just outside his house in the garden and I really appreciate him making the effort to, to give us the opportunity to have a, a great recording and a great conversation together. This podcast is part of the Education on Fire podcast network um, and is sponsored by the National Association for Primary Education and they bring together everyone who has a concern for the learning of children from birth to 13. Um, To find out more information about them and the great work they do, please go to educationonfire.com forward slash NAEP. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.